Tear it up. Dan ain't here. It'll be all right. He comes back. He's like, what happened to the gear? I don't know. He shouldn't have left. That's where it goes. I'm just going to move some of this apparatus out of the way here. Make sure that's off. Praise God. I want to say something. I was kind of debating, you know, I, you know, you hear, you know what's going on. You hear stories and stuff. And, you know, this morning when the band was here rehearsing and stuff, I know, um, uh, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I know Nicole was um, nursing a cold and a sore throat. She's like, I can't even hardly talk. Wow. Praise God, right? And Perrin, Perrin limps in here. He, he got a sliver <laughs> in his foot. You see him limping? Can't put shoes on. He comes over here and he tickles the keys for us. Man, praise God. And you guys came out. I mean, just praise God, using your voices, worshiping your king. Praise God. I hope that's, what that's, I hope that's what's happening there. You know, I, I hope, and I think that we pray that every Sunday we meet and we pray before service. We pray, God, don't let it be about us. Let it be about you and who you are. And then we have these moments of, you know, um, clarity, which is beautiful. Because it's not about us at all. It's about him. We're worshiping our creator. We're worshiping our King Jesus. We, we were seeing the, those, those lyrics, and I'm, I'm reminded again, for us as believers in Jesus, the one who was and is and is to come, the eternal God, that Jesus is God. It's what sets us apart as believers in Jesus. It's not that he's a smart guy or he's a wise guy. It's that Jesus is God, and we worship him as God. And this is his kingdom we're participating in. And I hope that you tasted that. I hope that you experienced that this morning in some way that you just go, what was that about? If you don't know him, that's my prayer. So we're going to, oh, by the way, I'm so excited already. Can you tell? <laughs> um, the kids are probably going, are they still here? Yeah. You guys can head out to Blast if you want to. Or you can stay for the rest of the awesome service because it's going to be awesome. Uh, blast workers can be dismissed as well. Um, and, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute here as we kind of get started about this new series that we're doing. Now, I'm going to kind of lay out what's going to happen here for the rest of the year. So if you're a planner, I know you're going to be excited about this. And if you're not, just tune me out for the next few seconds here. But uh, we're going to spend three weeks talking about prayer. And I know if those of you who, who studied prayer and stuff are going to go three weeks, really? Yeah, it's going to be like prayer basics. Some really fundamental things about prayer that, I, that um, I've been praying about and I've been discussing with people and I've heard uh, some things that have kind of raised concerns like, really, is that what we think about prayer? Um, and so we're going to spend three weeks talking about prayer. And the reason only three weeks is because, first of all, we had pastor appreciation last week, which it was going to be a four-week series. We had to cut a week because of that. But then we're going to be coming into the Advent season. Now, the Advent is when we celebrate the coming of Jesus, right? We remember that he came to earth, that God made himself incarnate to save us. Right, And so we're going to kind of build up to that. So after three weeks of this, can you believe it? We have three weeks of kind of the Advent time, and then we'll be at our children's program for Christmas, and it'll be Christmas. <laughs> okay, planners are like, yeah, we knew that. Six weeks, man. It's unbelievable. So that's what the plan is. Now, I'm not a planner, so if I got some dates wrong there, you can be like, you got more time, and I'll be like, awesome, we'll extend the series. But I think we have three for this, three for the next, and then we're on to the new year. So um, anyway, so, so this was kind of a thing that I wanted to get into here briefly and touch upon it. We'll have to come back later and dig more into prayer and what we, 
Well, we do it, but I want to kind of throw out, to, for this little series we're doing, the reason that I felt compelled to do it is to address three major areas of concern that I've heard expressed in the church of Jesus, right? That one of the things that you remember about Jesus is whenever he went into the house of God, right, for worship, to be with his father, to be in the place, you remember when he was 12 years old, he went into the temple and he got left behind by his parents. And when his parents came back and they saw Jesus, they said, what are you doing? Like any good parent, why are you here? And he said, why wouldn't I be in my father's house, right? I mean, this is what he said, this is where I belong, in my father's house. I want to remind you that as a grown man, when Jesus was fulfilling the, all the messianic prophecy, all the, the scriptures, everything, he was fulfilling it in himself. He came into the house of worship and he became so uh, angry that he started flipping stuff over and he said, what? My father's house is to be a house of prayer, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal to Jesus, this thing that we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. So here's some, some uh, kind of the three o- overarching things I want to talk about over the next three weeks. The first is kind of how to start. If you're not already praying, how to start praying in your life. And the second is doing it right, okay? And don't freak out, like don't go, I'm skipping that week because it's not what you think at all. Um, and, then, and then the third is uh, doing it often, right? So that's going to be how to start, doing it right, and doing it often. That's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. Uh, the reason it's such an important deal, other than Jesus says, hey, my house is to be a house of prayer, my father's house is to be a house of prayer, is that it's the way we maintain relationship with God, okay? Now, I'm not saying it's up to you because Jesus did it all. He has extended himself as far as he possibly can on the cross. When he shed his blood, he died for us so that we could have relationship with him, but prayer is our opportunity to actively participate in this relationship. And so it's a discouragement to me when I meet people who are, who are confessed believers in Jesus and they would say something like, I don't know how to pray. It's like being married to the coolest person in the whole cosmos and you don't talk to them. And I hope that through this series, by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit, that he will compel us to talk to him more, to to put away these kind of myths of what prayer is and just talk to him, our savior, our Lord and our master. It is the primary way we can interact in our relationship with God. And so uh, something else I wanted wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you know, but does anyone know um, what today is? October 31st, what is today? It is Halloween, that's right. But actually, that's not what I was actually going for. You know what else today is? Today is the last day. Huh? Of October, yes. Wait, wait to get ahead of me there. That's not it either though, okay? No, today is the last day of the 40 Days for Life prayer campaign. And I know I talked about this before, and I'll just confess something. I said, we're going to go at some point. And you know what happened? The calendar just went. I mean, we have so much stuff going on. And and I would see that. I put it on our homepage. I don't know if you go to our webpage ever. But every time I saw it, I'd remember to pray. I got to pray today about this. What's fantastic about the 40 Days for Life campaign, it's an anti-abortion, pro-life campaign. It says that God instilled in every human being his image. And just because of that, it's enough that we should save it, you know? I mean, just because God has his image in us, that's enough reason that we should care about life 
every life. And so the prayer, uh, this 40-day thing is so cool because we see so much right now, right? We, a few days we have an election coming up. We see so much of the kind of the screaming and the sign holding and all that stuff. And what this campaign has asked of the church of Jesus is to pray. You know, can we do something else? Can we, can we vote? Sure, vote. You know what they're asking for? They didn't ask you to vote. They're asking you to pray. Can, can, we, can, we, can we, you know, scream and shout? I guess, but they're asking you to pray. Matter of fact, when you come to the vigil, they're saying, don't scream and shout. Pray. I think they're hitting on something that we have lost as the church of Jesus, that in this opportunity to commune with the Father, to, get, to have the burdens that he has, we can help him shape the world. I don't want to be overly you know, too far down that line because I think there's error there. But I just believe that he is, he, you know, Jesus did it and, and they're calling us to do it. And I think it's, it's really significant. I want to uh, share a verse with you as we get started. This isn't our verse for today, but I just want to share with you. This is their, their um, kind of mantra, the 40 Days for Life campaign. By the way, they have one of these in the fall and one in the spring. And just because we didn't go down there and have the hour vigil, I hope you've been praying. And I know some of us have been praying Every time we think of it, we pray for what's happening down there. By the way, um, I, I will let you know that this is changing everything. Go to their website and check it out. There's story after story of people whose hearts and minds have been changed because the church of God is praying. It's the strongest, you know, weapon in our arsenal. And, and Father being called to it. This is what the, the um, this is from Second. Uh, uh, Chronicles, it's in the First Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this, if my people, God, this is God speaking, if my people who are called by my name, and we just sang about the name of Jesus, the fulfillment of all scripture, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, listen to what God says, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And this is the, the verse that they run under. Four days for life, they say, if we would just pray, humble ourselves, you know, seek his face, turn from our wickedness, God will heal us. Last week we talked and, you know, uh, we had, um, um, uh, oh, help me out, Steve, um, <laughs> my teacher, I can't remember his name right now. He, um, I'm totally blanket, that's right. You know, if you're here, you know who he was, right? Gosh, um, and he said, you want a miracle? I mean, think about what this verse says, that if we would be faithful to pray and seek God, he will hear and heal us, heal our land. I just want to share that with you as a way to kind of get started. So today I'm going to ask that you pray with me, and, and then we enter into God's word prayerfully. We talk about that all the time here. When you open the word of God, it's not like any other book. And when you enter into it, if you want to really be transformed, enter into it in prayer. Join me in praying if you would. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, today we come into your house and we, 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 we long to know you more. We've seen in Jesus the absolute transformation of our planet. We've seen something that's so 
different, so opposite of everything that we know and see in our broken world. We see those things in Jesus, and that's what we want today. So today, Lord, as your will and, and your spirit leads, we pray that you would guide us into your word. That it wouldn't just be we would have understanding, but it would compel us to act differently. And we love you and thank you when we pray these prayers in the mighty name of our Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to, um, let's see if I have that next here. Let me see if I can push this guy again. Let's see what we get. Maybe. Yeah, Luke. This is what we're going to be working on today. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And I want to read it. It's going to sound familiar. We just actually talked about this together in prayer. I'll give you a second to get there. It's on page, what is that, 721, if you use one of our Bibles. If you have one of your own, you should probably be able to find it. I hope you have a Bible of your own. If you don't have a Bible of your own and you want one, you can have one of ours. We say that, but I'll say this. If you want one and don't, don't want one of our paper ones, come talk to me. We'll get you a Bible because it's such a big deal to engage in the word of God directly, uh, to, to spend time with him in his word. So if uh, you don't have a Bible, come talk to me after service and we'll get you a Bible. This is what the gospel of Luke, the gospel is good news, right? These guys wrote books. They said, this is the coolest thing we've ever seen. It's the greatest news we've ever heard. And they wrote it down for us. And this is Luke who wrote chapter 11, verse 1, reads this way. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, this is Jesus, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's what we're going to talk about today. That when you, when you wonder like, how do you start to talk to God? How can you begin to have a conversation with him? The place we always go to is to the word of God and to Jesus' testimony to what Jesus says we ought to do. And here in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, we have it recorded here very clearly. Jesus himself says, when you pray, say these, say this, say these things. When you pray, pray like this, Jesus says, right? As a matter of fact, I noticed when I started praying that prayer, some of you knew that prayer, didn't you? Now, I know I've been in the church, right, where, you know, I was raised in church where you said trespasses, Right? That's always the most awkward part of an ecumenical service because some people are going, you know, forgive us our trespasses as those who trespass against us. And other people are going, forgive us our debts. And then some people add on the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And other people are going, what are you saying that for? That's somebody else's job, you know? Have you ever done that in a community service where there's everyone, all faith backgrounds, and they're all saying it different, but it's kind of the same thing? You, you know that prayer, don't you? I, I'm going to share with you also, it's recorded in another place in the Bible, it's in the Gospel of Matthew. You don't have to turn there, you can if you want to. We're going to be looking at, Matt. we're not going to spend time here, but I'm just going to read it to you because you can see it's written here. Uh, I hold this up because you'll notice mine's a red letter Bible, and this, these are like full pages of red letters, right? Um, red letters are the words that are attributed to Jesus, the words that came out of his mouth to his disciples. And, and so this is in the middle of a huge kind of dissertation teaching called Sermon on the Mount where Jesus kind of lays out a whole bunch of stuff at one time for his disciples, his followers. But in the middle of this, Jesus talks about a few things, and one of the things he talks about is prayer. I want to remind you that Jesus called prayer an act of righteousness. And I know for some of us right now in our community, in our culture, we feel like all we hear about is like the self-righteous church, right? 
when the word is said, it means, Jesus means it. He's not mocking righteousness. He's saying these are acts of righteousness. He lists three of them. Giving alms to the poor. That means giving some of what God has given you to those who have nothing. Uh, the second is prayer is an act of righteousness. And the third, he says, is fasting. Right? That doesn't mean going really fast on the highway in your cool car. Right? I wish. I could, I, I'd do good at that right, act of righteousness. That means uh, not abstaining. Abstaining. Specifically from food. But that you might grow closer to him. I'm convinced fasting, we've completely, we've completely lost touch with it in the church of Jesus. He said these are the three acts of righteousness. But when he's talking about prayer in the gospel of Matthew, this is what he says. First he says himself about how not to pray. And he gives some little tips. But I want to read the same kind of thought he shares in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus said, don't be like them. Your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. Therefore, when you pray, you should pray. This is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. See, there it is. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, the Gospel of Matthew gets closer to what we've all memorized, right? There's still some extra stuff in our prayer, but, but it's closer to what we, most of us grew up memorizing uh, as children, young in the faith. And so I just want to point out to you that there's a couple places where Jesus teaches the same thing, right? And you can look that later if you want to. But many of us learned this prayer, Many of us learn this prayer by rote, right? Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, matter of fact, you'll recall in the gospel Luke we just read, the disciples came to Jesus. Do you remember what's happening in the story? Jesus had gone to a certain place to pray. And, and the disciples waited until he was finished. The, the word actually says he ceased praying. He ceased. He came to the end of it. And when he came to the end of it, he came out. And they said, Lord, that means master, teacher, right? Disciples are learners. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I'm not sure about their motivations because there's another guy running around named John who has his own disciples. And they're kind of like, you know, John taught them to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? I have to believe that there was something that the disciples saw in their Savior and Lord. I want to remember here that they didn't really even know this about Jesus yet. We take for granted what we think they knew. He was their rabbi. But there was something that they saw when he would come back from his time in prayer, his time in a certain place, talking to God, that, that they felt compelled to say, teach us how to do that. Now, I don't know what the disciples did before this. You'll remember they were fishermen. You'll remember a few weeks ago, he said they were young people, right? But there was something that they, they saw. They were like, you know, Jesus, if you could teach us something, teach us that. Teach us that thing. And Jesus teaches them how to pray. So if you today are like so many of us have been, and you go, I don't know how to start, this is the place you start. Start here with Jesus. Now, many of us um, learn those prayer, learn that prayer word for word, right? And that's the way you do it. And, and you can say it almost from memory. I'll tell you an embarrassing story. 
I, I, I was raised in the faith where I had to memorize the prayer. And then I came to faith in Jesus by reading his word, convicted by his spirit, and I totally gave my life to him. And then I began to pray this prayer also with the new community of faith that I had. And then I began to talk to God all the time, continual conversations with God, realizing how much, how deeply he's embedded in my life and, and, and my circumstance and in everything. And then I was given an occasion and someone said, we would like you to say the Lord's Prayer. They, they said, would you pray? I was like, yeah, I'll pray. You know, we'd like you to say the Lord's Prayer. And you know what happened? In the middle of it, I forgot the words. There you go, so what? Listen, a room full of people, they ask you to say one simple prayer. You're a pastor? And you're like, uh, you know. So I just started praying. Because that's what, what we do. Many of us learned it word for word. But today I want to kind of take it apart. And we're going to walk through it pretty quickly here. And, and uh, you can check this stuff out, uh, I hope, in your prayer time this week. But word for word is a fine way to pray this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, for me, a lot of those words don't connect. Right? Art. Who says art anymore? Or um, thy I mean, God's holy. I get that. But to me, it's this intimate relationship that he is fostering in me through Jesus. So I want to go beyond word for word. Is that all there is? I want to kind of step through what I, what I believe we can see here in the Lord's Prayer. And when he teaches the disciples, he says, pray, pray this, pray this. Because I'll tell you something else. When we, the word for word thing, um, we don't see Jesus do it in Scripture. Right? I mean, when Jesus teaches you to do something, he's doing it. And if you look, at there's some prayers of Jesus that are recorded in Scripture. They're great prayers because Jesus prayed them, right? But when you look at his prayers, they, don't, they aren't word-for-word -word recitations of what he told his disciples to pray. As a matter of fact, in those two places I just read it in Scripture, he kind of says the same things a little differently. So, so go with me, if you will, into this place. I'm going to talk about what I believe from the, from the, the Lord's Prayer are Jesus' principles on prayer, okay? And we're going to kind of walk right through the prayer here. We're back in Luke. If you flip over to Matthew, flip back to Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. But we're going to talk through kind of verse 2 through verse 4 real simply here. The first thing is this. When Jesus talks about prayer, he wants us to understand the relationship that we are in. This is a very practical thing. It means before you begin a conversation with someone, know who you're talking to. Does that make sense? You know, last night we had the Fall Fest here at Family Bible Church, right? And uh, we were on the chili table, and we were all sampling chili. But the numbers on the chili pots were anonymous, because otherwise everybody would vote for, I don't know how it would change things, but we're worried about it, so we make it anonymous voting, right? <clears throat> so it's secret ballot, right? And uh, but we're standing around, and we're talking, and as we're sampling the chili, people begin to talk about, you know, well, this one's awesome, or that one's kind of, I don't know what that's, you know. You've got to be careful. Why? You don't know who you're talking to. You might be talking to the person who made that chili. And I'm not saying, they were all really good. See how I just covered myself there? No, they were all really good. You should have came out. Man, we had some awesome chili last night. But, but the truth is that when we engage in a conversation with someone, we need to know who we're talking to. It matters, doesn't it? You, you walk into a place of business you walk up to the first guy you see and you start kind of going off and you find out he owns the company. That changes things, doesn't it? You're probably talking to the right guy. 
The prayer of Jesus, when he says, when his disciples say, Lord, I mean, Master, Jesus, teach us how to pray. The first thing that Jesus says to us is know the relationship that we're in. What does he say? He says, Father. In our prayer, we say our Father. It sounds like we're more important, kind of. Our Father. You know, you belong to us. In the Greek, it says, Father of us. Right? The Father, the one who, who birthed us, who gave us life, who gave us breath, who gives us salvation. The one that Jesus said, I am the Father in one. The, the Father that Jesus said at 12 years old, where else would I be but my Father's house? He says, when you address the God of all creation, disciples of mine, you address the God of all creation as your Father, Father first. And Jesus, everything that he taught was about relationships. It was about, it wasn't about ritual or habit or practice. It was about being in a living, breathing relationship. You'll recall that what was so offensive about Jesus wasn't that he believed God, wasn't that he followed God, wasn't that he said wise things for God. It was that he said, God is my father. I and the father am one. Well, that got him in all kinds of trouble. But he knew it to be true. And the uniqueness of Jesus' teaching is that we, in Christ, are the children of our Father. So that means if you know Jesus, you have this relationship with your, the God of the universe that you can say, Father, in your prayers. I'd encourage you to think about that. The first principle is understanding your relationship with God. Understand the relationship with God. The second is this. Acknowledge God's position in our lives. Acknowledge God's positions in the life of everything, the cosmos, right? There's two times, a, two times in your life, probably, you would use the word hallowed, right? One is if you say the Lord's Prayer. We say, you know, our Father who art in heaven, that's where he is, hallowed be your name. I always thought when I was a kid, what a weird thing. What's hallowed means? It means empty, you know? Hallowed? Hallow is your name. I don't know what that means, hallowed. Uh, we actually, right now, today, what is today? October 31st? Halloween. That's the same word. Did you know that's true? Do you know why it's Halloween? Because it's All Hallows Eve. You know this, right? Because it's All Hallows Eve, like Christmas Eve, the night before Christmas. All Hallows Eve is All Hallows Day tomorrow. Did you know that's true? Do you know tomorrow is All Saints Day? And so tonight is the night before All Saints Day. Interesting stuff. Hallow is holy. It's, um, hallow is um, uh, pure. I'm trying to think of the right word. Purified. I can't think of the word that I'm trying to, but it means that this, that God is wholly other. He's completely separate. In our, in our prayer time with God, we enter into conversation with someone we say is our father, and yet it's completely and totally and utterly different. You are not God, and I am not God. God is God. And so in our prayer lives, when we, when we talk to him, the, 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 the way we enter into it is to say, Father of us, you are God. You are holy. You are righteous. You are pure. You're beautiful. Remembering, acknowledging 
God's position. I think um, another, another way we kind of err here is that we act like God's our buddy, <laughs> you know? Uh, that we're not talking to the holy God of the universe, we're talking to our buddy, our, kind of our pal. Um, and, and, and not only that, but we act like he's one of many sources, right? So we'll go, uh, you, you know, uh, well, yeah, we can pray, but what else can we do, <laughs> you know? We'll act like he's one of many sources of wisdom in our life. When you enter into a conversation with God, you're talking to the creator of the universe. I'm not sure where else you need to go. So the second principle that we get right here from, uh, from is he says, hallowed be your name, right? Holy, you are holy, God, acknowledging his position. The, the third is this. In our prayer life, we should desire God's purpose for us. So, so much of our prayer, and I know when I was a kid, we talked about this before, but our prayer becomes about our wish list, you know, and actually the prayer, the word prayer in Greek means wish, to wish, you know, when you wish, wish this way, but it's always the wish about, you know, I want a bike, I want a house, I want a car, I want a husband, I want, I, I, I want, I want, I want. And Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray, he says this, he says, your kingdom come. And Jesus' prayer life, it's not about what he wants, it's about God's purpose, for his life. You enter into prayer with the holy God of the universe, the one who created everything and who created you, who gave you birth, and you say, God, I want what you want for my life. God, I want to desire your purpose for my life. Your prayer conversations with God will be transformed. Your life will be transformed. You know, Jesus was repeatedly quoted in scripture as saying this, not what I want, Father, but what you want. He does this as an example to us. And when we pray the prayer, we pour out what we want. We want it so bad. Oh, I want it so bad. And then we go, but God, not what I want, what you want. I know some of you today are probably feeling like, man, I'm at the end of my rope right now. I don't know what I got left. Listen, we're going to get to the part where God's going to sustain you. But right now, in this point in our prayer, we're acknowledging we want what God wants for us. You know, one of the problems that we have as believers in Jesus is that we think that the world offers us things that are better than what we can have in Jesus Christ. We, we act like, well, we would be a believer. We'd be more serious about our faith if we had to give up so much. You know what you're missing in your life? He has purpose, he has plans, and he's looking for willing servants. Ones who will say, not my will, but your will in my life. I want to remind you, in, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus, the word says this, set his face toward Jerusalem, right? Not a big deal, except that in Jerusalem, Jesus was going to die. And it says in the word that he set his face toward death. Why? The disciples didn't get it. Jesus, or Peter himself, like one of Jesus' top, like, few disciples, you know, the guy who got invited to all the cool stuff with Jesus, when he heard it, he said, no way are you going to die, Lord. I won't let it happen. And Jesus rebuked him. Why? Because Jesus set his face on the purpose his father had for him. Not on, matter of fact, what Jesus said is, you're thinking about what men want, not what God wants. In our prayer life, we can do this. We can, we, can, we can desire God's purpose. I pray, church, that if you're struggling in your prayer life, stop telling God what you need and ask God what he would have you do. 
desire his purpose in your life. The fourth principle is this. Ask God to sustain you. Now here it is, because you go, I'm wore out, I'm exhausted. You know, this part of the prayer right here is a simple thing. It says, give us each day our daily bread, right? And, and we talked about the, the gospel of Jesus being one beggar showing another beggar how to find bread. You know, you get up in the morning, you go, God, I need enough for today. Listen, God's provision is enough for today. I mean, whatever you're facing in life, God has given you enough for today. There is nothing that you're going to face today that God has not equipped you for. I hope you understand that. When this prayer, when Jesus suggests here that we ask God, this is the, the one place in the prayer where it says, ask for something. He's saying, ask for the next 24 hours of sustenance. It was interesting to me because I always thought about the day being, you know, from the morning until I hit the bed at night. He's saying, from now until tomorrow, that's enough. In your prayer life, ask for that. Trust God to sustain you. So when you start to think about life in those little chunks, you see, because we, wanna, we, don't want, we don't want God to give us what we need for tomorrow. We want God to secure us, you know, five years. We want God to secure us 10 years. And God's going, just follow me for a day. Just trust me for a day. See if I don't do this for you. It's remnant of Israel in the desert. Every morning when they're being led to the promised land by their creator, God would provide what they needed for the day. And that was it. Jesus' prayer is very consistent. Today, Father, sustain me today. The fifth principle we get from Jesus is this. Admit our sin. And this comes here at the end. It's a two-part thing. I'm going to read the first part. And, and, you know, we say trespasses. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on a road where it says no trespassing. Have you ever been on the road that says no trespassing? Are you like me? Or you just want to kind of go right behind the sign? <laughs> or the sign that says, beware of dog, or, you know, never mind the dog, beware of the owner. It's got the pistol, sh you know. And you kind of get over there, and, you, you know, Chris is always like, stop it, there's rules, you know. I don't know if you're like that. That trespassing, I never quite got that in the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? That's how we pray. Like, listen, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, pray this way, God, forgive us our sins, now, sin's a different word than trespass, isn't it? I mean, it means, but it's a different word. God, forgive us our failures. Forgive us for the things that we've done wrong. And uh, I can tell you that I pray with a lot of people. Um, I get the privilege of doing that a lot. And you know what I don't hear a lot? It's confession. And I'm not, I'm not talking about confession, going to the box and turn the light on confession. I'm talking about confession, meaning, God, we, at least this, God, we've sinned against you. God, in the middle of a prayer with the Father, the Creator, the one who sustained us, we enter into this time in the prayer where we say, we know we've messed up. We admit that before you today, Father. You know what the Word of God actually says about sin? It says that the only possible deception that you can have in sin isn't deceiving God about your sin, deceiving yourself about your sin. You know that's what it says? It says you can only, de de uh, you can only deceive yourself. I'm going to give you some, chap some verses to write down. You can look them up later. Write these down if you want to look into them. For, uh, James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 22. 
You can write that one down. It's about deceiving only yourself. Galatians chapter 6, verses, verse 3, it's about deceiving yourself. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, about deceiving yourself. Romans 3.23, many of us know this verse, right? That's where God says all have sinned. Romans 3.23, write that down, look it up. And then the last is this, 1 John 1.18. And we spent some time in 1 John earlier this year. And 1 John 1.18 says this, if any of you claim to be without sin, you only deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. So if, if you're in prayer and, and you're going, you're going, I, I want to pray and I want to talk to God for real, but, but, but you can't admit one thing that you've done wrong. You can't admit, I'm not talking getting in front of a bunch of people and making like a big, you know, look at how bad I am fest. I'm talking about when you're in your prayer closet, when you're in that special place with God, and when you want to be in a restored relationship with him, have the audacity to be honest and say, I've failed you in so many ways, Father. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Forgive us our sins. We don't do that a lot in prayer these days. And then the second part, which is what we talk about a lot, actually, is for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, interestingly enough here, this means debt. It means we've canceled all the debt of others. The, the, to receive the, the, the forgiveness of Jesus, we become those who give away forgiveness to others. So the, so the fifth is admit your sin. The sixth is this, to forgive others. And we talked about forgiveness a few weeks ago. It's a very hard thing to do, but it's not an option on the table. It's not like one of many things you can do if you want to follow Jesus. Jesus forgave. Do you remember the stories in Scripture? Jesus forgave. Do you remember the stories of Jesus on the cross? Jesus forgave. And we act like as followers, well, we'll get around to it. You, you know, whenever things are right. No, Become a dispenser of forgiveness. Listen, we're not talking, you're, already we're thinking, oh boy, how am I going to do that? This is in prayer. So remember, when you're praying, say, I forgive them, Father. I forgive that person who did this. I forgive that person. But, but want this separation. You know, the word forgive means send away my sin, Lord. Send it far away from me. Because I have sent all the obligations others have toward me far away from them. I hope in your prayer life you can begin to do this. You know what it'll do? It'll manifest itself in your life. If you can get before God and pray that way, God, forgive me because I'm forgiving that person for that. God, forgive me because I'm letting that go. That'll change your life. And then the last principle is this, right here. Trust God's leading so after you've gone, you can, can you see how this, this prayer becomes more than just a few words you recite from memory? It becomes more than just something you can say and not even think about it. But it becomes this journey of a conversation with God where we follow these kind of principles that Jesus lays out that we, we enter into this conversation and then we have these kind of points in the conversation where we're talking to God about certain things in certain ways and then we ask for our sustenance and then we come here to this forgiveness which is so important to live in and understand and then the very last thing is we exit this time of prayer with God as we say the word says don't lead us into temptation it means don't lead us into testing and trials father why would you say that as a believer in Jesus because we're not that strong I mean, if left to our own devices, we would be crushed by sin in an instant. 
If, if left to our own devices against the enemy who would like to see us not succeed in Christ, who would like to have had the story play out differently with the cross, who would like to have seen Jesus stay in the ground where he could do no change, no transformation, in that place, we would be totally and completely and utterly destroyed. Don't ever believe the lie that you are all powerful in and of your own right. And so as we exit our time of prayer, we ask God, don't lead us into temptation. That's what the word says. But really what we're saying is, God, we're going to follow you wherever you, but we need you to go before us. We, we need you to get through whatever's coming next, Father. And we're going to trust you completely with that. So the seventh principle is trusting in God's leading in our lives. So uh, here, here's the last thought for today. And I'm going to ask the band to come back up and we're going to worship one more worship song and we'll kind of wrap up. And um, The whole hope for, the, for this whole series is that you would pray more. Not for in front of church, not that I'm going to call you out and ask you. I want, I want us to be the kind of people, by the grace of God, that when someone said, who wants to pray? We'd be like, wow, I'd love to pray. I would love to pray. The reason that prayer is such a big deal to us is because Jesus did it all the time. All the things we talk about Jesus did in the Bible where he did miracles, right? All the things that we heard him teach one thing here, one thing there— Something that Jesus consistently did in his own life was he prayed. It was a very consistent pattern, so much so that you recall the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to do what you're doing there. They keep seeing him do it. Teach us how to do that. I want to share uh, a final verse of scripture. It's going to take me a minute to find it here. This is why you, you mark your, um, well, that's why I try to mark my Bible. Here we go. Now, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, if you spend some time in it, um, most of us know Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, right? That's almost exclusively what we talk about from Hebrews. But before the faith chapter comes, uh, there's a verse, a few verse I want to share with you. Because the truth is that this opportunity we have to talk to God, that we, that we so often neglect in our lives, I mean, you know what I mean? That we don't, we say, I, I'm not comfortable. I don't know how. We should be exercising this gift that we've been given in Jesus. Because Jesus did it all the time. He prayed all the time to the Father. And I want to share with you in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. I'm just going to read this. Uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about Jesus as the great high priest. The author of Hebrews is talking about the truth, the result, the reality of the crucifixion of our Savior and Lord. What, what we gain. And one of the things that he says is this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, listen, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us now draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed 
with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promised it is faithful. I, want, I hope you understand that today that our ability to pray, our access to prayer to the Holy of Holies is through Jesus. And, and I'm going to give you a chance today. It's not something that you can manifest. You can't man up and do it. You can't make it happen. But you can receive this gift from God. You can receive the truth of Jesus. I'm going to ask you in a minute to pray with me. If you want to do that, you can do that. And I'd love to talk to you. But for, the, for all of us who know Jesus, I hope that you know that if you're not entering into this time with God in your life, you are missing something that he gave himself for, that Jesus died for. And that's a waste. Pray with me if you would. Father, today... We've come into your house to seek your will and your purpose, your truth. We've come into your word to be transformed by it. And today, Father, I I pray, I remember so clearly the times that I thought, there's no way I can get there with you. And yet you made a way. And so today for every heart who's here, every mind that's here and saying, there's no way, no way can I get to this place that you would show them that way forward. We come today, Father, not as those deserving anything uh, good. (laughs) We come as those who are under the persecution of sin, who have fallen so short of your glory. So today, Father, we confess that and we ask you to wash that away and make us new, new in your Son, our Savior, Jesus, Father, for our lives every day, we pray that we would enter into these times of prayer that would be holy, beautiful, relational, and that in that place there would be such a taste of the kingdom, of the intimacy that's coming with you, that we would be people who have to be stopped. Don't stop praying. We love you so much, and we found such a deep truth in you pray, Lord, that your spirit would foster that, that appetite in our lives. Teach us today, Father, to pray. We ask in Jesus' name.